0: Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Black for Health liquid extract from Future Farm Botanicals combines the four most powerful of these plant-based foods. Black garlic, black radish root, black peppercorn, and black cumin seed, which I believe to be one of the most promising in its wide range of potential therapeutic applications. It's an all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, circulation, and immunity. It's a delicious tasting supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption. Future Farm offers some of the most innovative products I've seen in quite a while. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's myfuture, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Black for Health is all-natural, science-based, and works without adverse side effects. myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine, America's Foremost Program on Health, Medicine and Nutrition, featuring the latest on both conventional and alternative therapies. Now, here's Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's the weekend edition of our program, and we're here, we're available. You can come directly into the doctor's office and pose your question or share a comment. It's 877-726-8255 to appear live, and we've got lots of stuff to talk about this weekend. 877-726-8255 gets you into the doctor's office on a weekend when it's you know, it's kind of hard to... Get a hold of your doctor. Well, I'm here, and I am available to address your concerns, particularly in regards to intelligent medicine. That means the best of high-tech therapies and the best of natural therapies. And, of course, putting those together is superior than an one or the other approach. So uh, we've got um, lots of issues to discuss this weekend. And, of course, uh, COVID remains an issue, but COVID is rapidly receding, The number of cases, far less. The number of deaths, far less. And in New York, at least where I'm living, things are really lightening up. A lot of people go into restaurants, uh, went to a restaurant the other day, and uh, nobody was wearing a mask. You know, came in wearing a mask, nobody was wearing a mask. They said, don't worry about it here, go directly to a table. Uh for a lot of people, game over when it comes to all these draconian restrictions. And the CDC, who uh, has issued, <laughs> really their credibility has is really, really been hit during the COVID pandemic because uh, they're supposed to be in charge, but they've issued uh, contradictory uh, guidelines that have uh, really infuriated the populace the CDC has dropped their mask advisory for most of the U S what they're saying here is that most of the U S is not under severe threat of COVID. Yeah. There may be a few pockets where COVID still is prevalent, uh, but for the vast majority of the country uh, mask mandates uh, will no longer be in effect. Um, And uh, interestingly, it also includes New York city uh, face coverings, will still be mandatory for everyone inside New York City school buildings for now, uh, even though the new guidance just out from the CDC suggests they may not be needed. <laughs> so they're going to keep doing it, even though the C V C admits that uh, it is completely unnecessary. Uh, but, hey, here's good news. Uh, they dropped the outdoor mask mandate for New York school children. That, that, that never made sense anyway. Uh, Lots of people still here in New York walking around with masks. Maybe it makes them feel more secure. Maybe it's just the cold weather. People have gotten used to wearing masks. Or maybe they just like the, uh, I don't know, the look, uh, the anonymity that it confers. You know, they say uh, when you're in New York, just walk straight ahead. Don't make eye contact, (laughs) especially in the subways. That may be dangerous. So uh, with a mask, you can further further camouflage your uh, facial facial, uh, uh, expressions. So um, the, uh, uh, there's also uh, a change, interestingly, in the guidance for intervals between COVID-19 vaccine doses. Uh, and this has actually been something that was recommended many, many months ago back in, early, uh, in late 2020 and early uh, 2021 by some experts who said the interval is too short. When you sign up for an appointment for a vaccine is they sign you up for uh, the second vaccine. Most people have already had two vaccines and now are queuing up for boosters. But uh, they lockstep you into a three-week interval. They say, okay, well, you're here today and in three weeks you're going to come back and you're going to get your second shot. And why not two weeks? Why not four weeks? No, it's got to be three weeks. That's what they say based on the pre-market research. And things always change when drugs or vaccines are released into the general populace, studies done on perhaps thousands of people, but the actual experience is among tens of millions of people. And what they're finding is that, and studies corroborate this, that you get much better protection if you wait a long time, three, four months between but in the rush to get everybody vaccinated, they said, well, hurry up, come back in three weeks and take your second shot. They also uh, continue to say, and I think a lot of people are ignoring this, is that there an interval of at least five months should be had between completing the initial vaccine series and receiving a booster shot uh, in the new guidance And I think a lot of people uh, rushed ahead. You know, maybe they had the two shots and then a couple of months later, they said, well, now I need a booster because lots of people are getting sick. And it turns out that uh, vaccine protection wanes relatively quickly. So it's still five months. That hasn't changed. But what's conspicuously absent from that is any reference to what do you do? Let's say if you do got your two shots or you even got your booster and then you got covid, how long should you wait till you get another shot? Will the natural immunity that you got from getting COVID wane at some point and then you need a booster? What's the recommendation? It's unclear. The research is all over the place on that, or whether even a booster uh, offers uh, substantial additional protection uh, after you've had a natural infection, especially if you've been vaccinated. So, yeah, confusion reigns as usual, and the CDC, you know, it keeps, um, moving the goalposts, but fortunately, this time in the right direction, uh, eliminating mask mandates for substantial parts of the country. And, you know, if you're outside of major metropolitan areas, if you're outside of places like California and uh, New York and Chicago, uh, the vast majority of people, just they're not doing it anymore. They're done. They're done with masks. And same thing in schools, uh, except for some very, very, uh, risk averse locales. 877 726 our number. You may have seen this headline. Uh, vegetarians have 14% lower cancer risk than meat eaters study finds. And another way of putting it, uh, a lot of headlines like this, eating meat less than five times per week lowers risk of cancer. So this is um, uh, being invoked. It's a new study um, that um, uh, people should become vegetarian and drastically reduce their intake of meat because if they eat meat they're going to get cancer. Uh, Oxford University research finds that pescatarians, in other words, people who eat no poultry or no uh, beef, lamb, pork, have a 10% reduced risk compared with those who eat meat regularly. So I looked at the study and what I was struck with is the relatively small degree of protection you get from not eating meat. I thought, You know, maybe this study would show that you have a 50% reduction or a threefold reduction in cancer. If meat really was something that caused cancer, you would see a very robust effect. I mean, this was statistically significant, so it's not to be ignored. But, um, what they say, if you actually look at the study, is that a lot of the protection conferred by not eating meat was associated with being less heavy having a lower BMI lower body mass index so the study doesn't speak to the situation where for example yours truly I, I consume animal protein and I'm at a normal weight uh, well the meat didn't make me gain weight so if the meat didn't make me gain weight it did the meat per se increase my risk of cancer according to the study they also in the study they admit that they do not differentiate between consumption, uh, and this is the flaw in a lot of these meat studies that show that meat causes this, meat causes that. Um, the, uh, the researchers admit, and I'm quoting from the study, um, participants who consumed high amounts of unprocessed red meat also consumed high amounts of processed meat. Therefore, we could not mutually adjust the meat types And there may be residual confounding, 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 confounding. That means that, you know, in some of these studies, maybe vegetarians are more careful in other aspects of their lifestyles. Maybe they exercise more. uh, Maybe they uh, are more wary of environmental pollutants. uh, They eat more organic foods. uh, They use less chemicals in their households uh, and a variety of factors that may influence their risk of, of cancer. So... Um, this study, uh, you know, it's kind of weak tea in terms of a study that resoundingly suggests that elimination of meat is what you need to do if you want to avoid cancer. Uh, one outlier here vegetarian men had a 31% lower risk of prostate cancer. Uh, among male pescatarians who just ate fish, it's 20% lower. And part of that may be due to the fact that meat uh, contains a lot of hormones. And no study, to my knowledge, has studied whether the consumption of organic or grass-fed animal products, with the exclusion of processed meat products, if that uh, would be equivalent to being on a plant-based diet. And yes, the less meat you eat, the more plants you eat, and everybody should be eating a lot of plant-based food. That definitely confers protection. Maybe eating meat is a marker for eating less vegetables. 877-726-8255 is our number. And we're here. You can come directly to the doctor's office and pose a question. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. This is Intelligent Medicine.
1: The pursuit of a healthy immune system is so important for our long-term health. And being healthy for the long-term is everyone's goal, right? So which immune health supplement is recommended for those who also have cardiovascular concerns? Chiolic Aged Garlic Extract.
0: Ensure your immune system is operating at its peak with an innovative natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals created exclusively to help promote a better immune response. Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea. Future Farm's Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea is the first to combine these three powerful ingredients. Elderberry is packed with antioxidants, vitamins, and may boost your immune system. Echinacea has been shown to activate chemicals in the body that decrease inflammation, and zinc activates T-lymphocytes. Low zinc has been associated with increased susceptibility to a host of risks. Future Farm offers some of the most innovative products I've seen in quite a while. I use them, prescribe them in my practice, and I'm proud to recommend them to you. For more information and order, call 888-841-7216. 888-841-7216 or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's my future P-H-A-R-M. com slash Hoffman. Elderberry with zinc and echinacea is all natural science-based and works without adverse side effects. myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Back to Intelligent Medicine, Dr. Ronald Hoffman here, our number 877-726-8255. We want to welcome you into the broadcast, uh, should you choose to avail yourself of that number. We'll take some calls momentarily, but I got some good stuff to share with you. Um, You know, those commercials, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. You know, it is thought that effervescent tablets deliver... Their medications more rapidly into the system, and a lot of people like to take their meds that way, in effervescent form. Uh, Alka Seltzer, for example, is billed as a thing that can settle your stomach. Uh, remember the commercials? It kind of ages me, but uh, no matter what shape your stomach's in. You know, shows a lot of people pigging out on food, and uh, then they take their Alka-Seltzer, speedy Alka-Seltzer relief, whatever ails you, hangovers, and so on. Well, Alka-Seltzer contained a substantial amount of aspirin, which is not, yeah, it's okay for headaches, but not particularly good for your stomach. And so Alka-Seltzer and other companies have diversified. You can get also a lot of uh, Alka-Seltzer knockoffs, which are effervescent forms of Tylenol, uh, sometimes mixed with other cold remedies, antihistamines, and Uh the drugstore shelves are lined with these uh, effervescent uh, packages of fizzy tablets. And there's a big new study out of the UK, salt in fizzy tablets. I guess it's a Brit way of saying uh, effervescent. Salt in fizzy tablets linked to heart and death risk. Uh, amazing statistics here. They said there was a 59% increase in risk for those with hypertension, uh, in terms of the incidence of heart attack, stroke, and heart failure. And a 45% increase in risk for those without hypertension. So, uh, all cause mortality risk over one year was twofold elevated in the hypertension patients containing sodium containing acetaminophen. That's Tylenol and 87% elevated in users without hypertension. So uh, here's the deal. Uh, when you take uh, a fizzy tablet, what makes it fizzy? It's uh, sodium bicarbonate and uh, each tablet has 400 milligrams of sodium. That's a day's worth at a full dose. Uh, I'm sorry, a day's worth of, of fizzy tablets, because you, you don't just take one, you know, you take them through the day. You could get 3,000 milligrams of sodium per day. That's far above the daily recommended sodium intake for an adult, which depends. I mean, you know, if you have hypertension, you want to keep it low. But for the average adult, it's about 1,500 milligrams per day. So, um, wow, uh, that is uh, a call to action to reduce our use of fizzy tablets uh, a, f- a single five gram sachet of effervescent antacids, for example, contains 850 milligrams of sodium and fizzy vitamins. That's another way that we get a lot of sodium in our system. Uh, 280 milligrams of sodium, uh, urinary alkalinizers, uh, some 644 milligrams of sodium per, per dose. So, uh, yeah, um, Maybe it's time to reevaluate our use. By the way, you know, you, you want to get relief from Tylenol? Just take a tablet. You don't need the fizzy thing for it to get into your system. Maybe with the fizzy thing, it'll take, uh, you know, 18 minutes. With the tablet, it'll take 22 minutes or the capsule. The, the fizzy nature of it feels good, but it doesn't necessarily deliver relief uh, in a faster way. So there you have it. When it comes to fizzy tablets, uh, maybe forego them. 877-726-8255, our number. In a moment, we're going to take uh, some of your phone calls. Lots more to talk about. We're going to talk about uh, how your gut, the condition of your microbiome, can be associated with your ability to think and remember. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is Intelligent Medicine. To sign up for your free full script account. You'll also receive free shipping on all of your store orders. That's drhoffmanstore.com, drhoffmanstore.com. Back to Intelligent Medicine, Dr. Ronald Hoffman here, our number 877-726-8255. And Diane in Scranton, Pennsylvania has availed herself of the opportunity to come to the doctor's office. Hi, Diane, how are you?
2: Oh, thank you for asking, I'm okay. So I have a friend who was recently uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. So we were doing some reading about the Budwig protocol, and I had a couple of questions about that. Um, number one, like the use of flax oil and flax in general, like there seems to be some uh, disagreement about the fact that it produces estrogen and et cetera, um, and that is one of my questions and then the other one is is it is it really possible to get um, you know good quality fresh flax oil commercially or in health food stores you know or is it something we have to make or
0: okay good good questions yeah I mean the budwig protocol is you know it's actually a little retro because they were talking about that in the uh, 80s and maybe even before uh it was a protocol that uh, emphasized uh lots of flax uh because uh flax contains a high level of lignans and the lignans actually bind estrogen uh yes they have some estrogenic properties uh but uh their net effect is to bind harmful estrogens and keep the levels of uh estrogens from stimulating uh breast cancer recurrence So, yeah, there's something, I think, uh, uh, flaxseed is something that should be considered in a breast cancer prevention diet. It's fine to consume flaxseed. Uh, the oil is rich in omega-3, so that's good, but the oil tends to be a little lower in the lignans. Now, you can buy something called high lignin flaxseed oil, and you gotta shake the bottle because the lignans settle to the bottom, and if you just squirt it out from the top without shaking it, you'll get a big dollop of lignans uh, like the dregs of the oil at the bottom uh, You know, as you squeeze out the oil on top. And uh, is it possible to get uh, good quality flax oil? You have to be careful because it gets rancid, so you should always buy it refrigerated. You can even freeze it. Uh, that oil is so polyunsaturated, it has kind of an antifreeze effect, and so even in the freezer... It'll still pour. It's a little viscous, but unlike something like coconut oil or butter, it's not going to be hard if you put it in the refrigerator or the freezer. Uh, yeah, that it, it, it's good. Uh, again, the handling of it is important and the freshness is important. Uh, what you can do though is you can buy flax seed and, uh, you can grind it yourself. Uh, it, again, it, it's in a, in a vacuum sealed pouch. It's better once you open it to keep it in the freezer or the refrigerator at the very least because flax goes rancid very quickly. And so, you know, and I use flax too, but when I, I keep it in the freezer once I open the packet. When it's vacuum sealed, it's probably pretty s- stable, but once it uh, hits oxygen from the air, it can't oxidize and become rancid. So uh, there you have it. I mean, the, the Budwig uh, program, I you know. Also, she uses a lot of cottage cheese in that program. I'm not so sure if dairy is entirely so beneficial for women who've had breast cancer, particularly if it's uh, conventional dairy that may be laced with hormones, bovine growth hormone, and the like. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 a doable program, uh, part and parcel of what you can do for breast cancer prevention. By the way, I work with a lot of patients who have had breast cancer. So many women these days are coming down with it, and uh, it really makes sense to be on a preventive program of diet, the right supplements, and actually exercise. Uh, you know, when you uh, run for the cure, it uh, really makes sense because exercise can lower the risk of breast cancer recurrence by as much as 30%. So there you have it, eight seven 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 two six eight two five five. What's also very good for you in general are naturally occurring black pigments. That are present in vegetables, spices, and seeds. Well, they've been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects that our bodies need. Well, there's a fantastic new product. It's a brand new, all natural, and it's daily preventive against a host of possible inflammatory issues. It's called Black for Health Liquid Extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Now, Black for Health contains four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, which is particularly interesting because it's a real super anti-inflammatory compound, and black peppercorn, containing high levels of body-ready healing botanicals. Black for Health supports your liver, skin, cholesterol, blood pressure, and weight management. It's also good for your circulation, and it supports immunity. It's a delicious-tasting supplement with liposome complex for optimal absorption get more information and you can order by calling 888-841-7216. That's 888-841-7216 or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. The spelling is future, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. All right. Um, I promised to share this with you. It's fascinating research that suggests that indeed there is something called the gut-brain axis. And by that I mean, well, it's a two-way highway. Uh, Your thoughts and the stress you experience can influence your digestion and even change your microbiome. But your microbiome, the bacteria that comprise your intestinal contents, these bacteria have a major impact on your brain. And The research is just coming fast and furious. Investigators conducted cognitive testing and then analyzed stool samples in 600 adults. And they found that diversity was significantly associated with cognitive scores. Now, we talk a lot about diversity in our culture. Yeah, you know, let's see a lot of different faces on TV and in the media and in uh, in our government but diversity in the intestinal tract is a key to health. And by that I mean, the number of different species that inhabit our guts. And I recently had a great conversation uh, with uh, Ross Pelton, uh, who is uh, one of our frequent contributors on intelligent medicine. You can listen to it when it posts next week, uh, where the subject was diversity and how to cultivate diversity within our intestinal tracts. Ross. Has a background where he was in the Peace Corps and he went to Malaysia. And what they have found in people in these so called primitive cultures, non Western cultures, is because of their diets, very high in fiber, uh, they have enormous diversity of species in their intestinal tracts. In fact, they may have 10 or 20 times the diversity that we in the West have. We who have diets that are laced with chemicals that are full of refined carbohydrates and sugar, uh, and of course our use of antibiotics and the chemicals that are in our water suppress the growth of beneficial bacteria. Even the glyphosate that's on our foods uh, kills off many of the helpful bacteria in our intestinal tracts. And so this may have a direct impact on our cognitive abilities. The authors write, communication pathways between gut bacteria and neurological function have emerged as a novel area of research. And they hypothesize that microbial diversity could be associated with cognitive status and that higher cognitive status would be associated with more groups of bacteria Involved in short-chain fatty acid production. We talked about that also with Ross. The short-chain fatty acids are what are called postbiotics. They are the things that your microbial populations manufacture and synthesize in your intestinal tract. Well, you need fiber for the bacteria to feed on, and then the bacteria produce short-chain fatty acids like butyrate and propionic acid. And these short-chain fatty acids... May have a very very crucial role in brain function. So uh, diet matters. Uh, taking probiotics potentially could help, and encouraging postbiotics. Uh, these are things that can really have an impact. Not on just you know your digestive tract. You may say, well, yeah, you take I take prebiotics and I take. Uh, probiotics so that I can have uh, regular bowel movements or alleviates constipation. All The effects are far more pervasive than just locally in your gastrointestinal tract. A healthy gut, according to the latest research, is tied to better cognition. Yeah. 877-726-8255, our number. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is Intelligent Medicine. As you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality, and that's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line at my online dispensary. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional-grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research. Among them, several stand out for relief of occasional minor aches and pains of overexertion. Ache Action, Joint UC, and D Flame. Ache Action contains a formula exclusive to Protocol for Life Balance that studies show significantly reduces joint dis comfort in as little as five days. Protocol's Joint UC is an undenatured type 2 collagen that has been clinically validated for its ability to help maintain healthy joints. And D-Flame has nine plant-based ingredients rooted in traditional herbalism. Each of these products takes its own unique approach to joint stress, flexibility, and mobility. They're available now at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order.
3: You remodel your kitchen. You remodel your bathroom. Now remodel your gut. That's right, your gut.
0: Back to Intelligent Medicine, Dr. Ronald Hoffman here. Our number is 877-726-8255. And that number you can access uh, 24-7365. If an idea or question occurs to you during the week, you can call and record a question as did this caller. Let's hear it.
2: I'm trying to find a natural alternative to insulin or Phyrexia, farxiga. A prick last week was 258, and the AG1 or whatever that is was 9.2. I also have essential throngocytthemia, and I'm on a uh, 500 milligrams of hydroxyurea, which is making me, my body's rejecting now, and I have all the symptoms of a cancer patient getting IVs. Is there a natural way for me to di- manage diabetes at this stage? And also, are there alternative things that I can take for peripheral artery disease? Love to hear some of your suggestions. Thank you.
0: Okay. You know, so this uh, person has a lot of things going on. He's got uh, diabetes, has got uh, peripheral arterial disease, which is arterial blockage probably in the legs and maybe, you know, elsewhere in the body and the heart, and uh, has a condition uh, where the uh, platelets are going up, sounds like, and she's taking a medication to suppress her platelets. That's so a complicated situation. And But let's address the the uh, blood sugar part. You know, when you're talking about a substitute for insulin, uh, let's talk a little, little bit about how insulin works in the body and the different types of diabetes. There's type one diabetes where you don't have enough insulin and there's type two diabetes where you either have enough or even too much insulin uh, but it's not getting into your cells to do the work that it should do and that's due to something called insulin resistance and in those cases we can reduce the need to take insulin maybe by reducing insulin resistance taking advantage of the insulin your body already makes and we can use natural things like uh, gymnema. Uh, to support the uh, pancreas, and we can use natural things like uh, chromium to reduce insulin resistance. And there's a whole bunch of supplements that can reduce insulin resistance. But if you are simply not making enough insulin and you need to take insulin, there ain't nothing on God's earth that's going to substitute for insulin. Uh, and you know, a little background on the discovery of insulin was discovered in 1921. But the background on that is that some German researchers... Uh, back in the uh, 1880s, found that when the pancreas was removed from dogs, the dogs developed diabetes and they died. So that led to the idea that pancreas was the site where the pancreatic substances, i.e. insulin, were produced. And then uh, what that led to experiments where they took pancreas and they ground it down and powdered it, and uh, they tried to administer to patients orally. It didn't work. And finally they came up with the idea that they could purify it and inject it. Uh, A guy named Banting figured out how to remove insulin from a dog's pancreas, and uh, then they uh, purified it. And uh, in 1922, uh, a 14-year-old boy dying from diabetes in Toronto Hospital became the first person to receive an injection of insulin, and it turned him around. Within 24 hours, his dangerously high blood sugar's Dropped to near normal levels. So this revolutionized uh, diabetes. He ultimately uh, received the Nobel Prize. Prior to the advent of insulin uh, kids especially with type 1 diabetes uh, led short lives. They were put on very very low carbohydrate diets to reduce you know because insulin is required for carbohydrate metabolism so they figured if they fed him fat and some protein uh, they would still be able to metabolize that without insulin But it didn't really work, and uh, they were on extremely restricted diets, and ultimately they led uh, short lives and um, did not survive uh, into adulthood. So, um, yeah, uh, there is no substitute for insulin, but we can do some things to make the body more sensitive to the insulin you're making. But if you don't make any insulin, it's not going to work. So the common... Natural diabetes things. They can work in type 2 diabetes, things like chromium and gymnema and uh, berberine. Berberine is also good for insulin resistance. These are some things that help. But, you know, without seeing you and seeing precisely what's going on with you in a kind of a complicated case, uh, I wouldn't know whether to tell you to take one thing or another. And I certainly wouldn't tell you to uh, ignore your doctor's suggestion that you take insulin. Yeah, it's a nuisance, and yeah, it's a drug. But it could literally be uh, life-saving for you. So uh, I'm going to pass on a specific recommendation, but you did tee off an interesting discussion. Thanks for that call. All right, 877-726-8255. When you have acne, uh, I recently reviewed some of the information on diet for acne. It turns out that uh, avoiding sugar and avoiding dairy, plausible strategies for reducing uh, acne, Also, uh, keeping yourself on a low glycemic index diet because uh, lots and lots of starches can act to uh, raise blood sugar. Getting enough essential fatty acids often helps to reduce skin inflammation. Uh, Fixing the microbiome in the intestinal tract could have an impact. Uh, But these days, antibiotics are often used. And there's an interesting new article. Uh, The research comes out of Belgium. Uh scientists from uh, Belgium's University of Antwerp uh, set out to alter the microbiome of acne sufferers' facial skin. Well, you think of the microbiome, that's only in your intestinal tract. No. Every bodily surface, your nose, your mouth, uh, your genitals, and your skin, uh, they have a distinct microbiome. And when the microbiome is disturbed on the surface of the face, for example... Uh, that's when harmful bacteria can take over and cause acne. And what they found is that uh, they they created kind of a a probiotic for the skin Uh, and encased them in microcapsules. They were added to a skin cream, which volunteers were instructed to apply to their faces twice a day for eight weeks. And compared to a control group that used a placebo, the test subjects showed a significant reduction in inflammatory skin lesions and uh, when they checked for what was growing, when they cultured the facial skin, there was a decrease in populations of acne-causing staph epidermis bacteria. So the future of skin care uh, may revolve around specially uh, prepared probiotics. I'm not saying, you know, take a you know probiotic and slap it on your face, the stuff that's for your intestinal tracts and may not work on skin, but custom formulated probiotic skin formulas are the wave of the future and there are actually some out there they're being marketed but uh, more and more research is helping us better understand which ones work best for the skin 877 726 8255 our number lots more coming up in the next hour I'm dr. Ronald Hoffman stay with us check out our website at drhoffman.com for more information follow us on social media facebook and twitter and download our podcasts but stay tuned for another hour of the intelligent medicine weekend program